Greetings. I'm Pastor Nate Nix, and I'm so glad that you're joining me for this podcast. We're going to dive into the Word of the Lord and study to show ourselves approved so that we can give an account for all that God wants to show us in His Word. So join me today. Well, praise the Lord, everyone. I said praise the Lord, everyone. It's great to see you in person tonight. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for Thanksgiving today. Amen. I'm excited about starting this new series. If you're online, please join us. Let us know you're here. And I pray that you'll grab a pen and pencil, something that you can write, maybe your phone to record. I'm not sure, but I hope that you will. Tonight, we start a new series. It's called what? Salvation for who? Someone say amen. How many glad Jesus Christ saved all of us? (laughs) How many glad that salvation came and it didn't know color, race, kindred, kind, tribe, It didn't know language. It knew one thing, and that was the blood of Jesus Christ covering our sins. Some would say amen. Amen. So I have two purposes for this particular series, and I want to state them right up front tonight so that you clearly understand where I'm headed. I am headed towards teaching you how to teach others about Jesus. So I want you to take note, and I will... Uh, through this series, I will stop and I will note that this is a good way to to talk to people about Christ. And this is the way uh, that I believe that you should, uh, because I want to turn you into disciples, making other disciples for Jesus Christ. So one of the things I'm discovering is that people are struggling even sharing the basics of salvation. How am I saved? That's kind of an important question, wouldn't you say? So I'm going to reestablish for Pineview Church, this is what we believe by the Word of God and know by the Word of God that this is what salvation is and how we obtain it and who it's for. Tonight we're going to cover why. Why? Someone shout why. Why do we need to be saved? Why do we need a Savior? And that's where we're going to start. So it's going to be rudimentary, it's going to be basic, but it's going to be very important to help you understand the truths. It's going to be four weeks long. I may extend it to the fifth week because I've got a lot of material. But I want to take my time, and I also want to make sure that you ask questions. So at the end of this, I'm going to give you some time to raise your hand and ask questions, and uh, we're going to uh, just see how the Lord will lead and guide us. It's in person. It's also, of course, online tonight. And I'm encouraging all those that are online to try to make it in person. Uh, because I really believe that you're going to sense something, feel something uh, that you uh, may not receive at home. I pray that you do, and I know that uh, it's information. So tonight we're going to start this series. I'm looking forward to another series I'm already planning um, after this four-week planning series. Uh, I can't wait. As we're going to go bump up to Easter um, here. Um, Easter's in a month, uh, give or take a week. Um, by the way, on the 17th of April, I pray that you're already planning to invite somebody. Who are you going to invite to God's house at Easter? Well, Pastor, we're in the middle. No, we're not in the middle of the pandemic. We are closing to the end, and it is now complete. We're going to wrap it up, and we're going to say in Jesus' name. I know that people are still fighting and still doing it. I'm not making light of that, but I believe that God has called us to be witnesses. So we can invite them to an online service, and we're going to help people with that. Of course, and then we, of course, can invite them in person. I believe that God wants to see people saved. Amen? I'm excited. We baptized a young lady this last week, and she is so excited for Christ. I want to share this as I talk about salvation and the importance of it. 
Today, I don't know if you saw on Pastor Joe Carpenter's uh, Facebook page, but he requested prayer for a young lady. He baptized 10 days ago. He baptized two Sundays ago. He baptized her in the beautiful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor and, and his wife, they taught them a Bible study and uh, they found themselves in saying, "What here is water, what doth hinder? And we find in this moment that the importance of telling somebody about Jesus. This same young lady on Monday uh, had a severe allergic reaction to a very common household thing. And when she had that reaction, she had no idea that she was going to find herself in the position that she found herself. Ten days ago, she was baptized and filled with God's spirit and a glorious, wonderful thing. And today, she is laying in ICU brain dead. She is not with us in, in, in mind, and the family is in, in great pain. And I pray that you will pray for them because they're trying to decide. 18 years old and had allergic reaction to something that caused her to simply slip from this world. And if the Lord does not provide and, and heal, it would seem that she is going to, uh, to leave a legacy of knowing, listen, that she was saved. Salvation is God's timing. But if someone would not have said to her, have you thought about your soul? Would you like to know more about Jesus? If someone would not have taught, if Pastor Joe and his busy schedule with his wife would not have taken time to teach her a, a home Bible study, to tell her about the inner workings of her salvation and how she is eligible, no matter where she's been or what she's done, God is merciful, then she tonight would not have the assurance of salvation. But tonight we give God praise and glory that in this dark time of grief that there is this lining of wonderfulness that says she is in the hands and in the arms of Jesus Christ. And that is why I'm teaching you tonight because there are people in your lives that could be in the same position. I want to ask you, do you know how to bring somebody to a place in Christ? Do you exercise that gift? Have you told somebody this year about Jesus? Have you personally been able to take them to the scriptures, walking them through, why do I need a savior? Who is my savior? What has he done to make me saved? That's what we're going to discuss. It's going to be a basic, simple, but repeatable Bible study in the next four weeks. You're going to be able to have tools to be able to help you become the witness that God has called you. I want you to think about who you're going to bring at Easter, but I want you also to think about who in your life, your circle of friends, your circle of family, your circle of influence need to hear in love and in kindness, not jammed down their throat, not attacked, not ambushed with the gospel, but loved with the gospel. Someone say amen. Are you hearing my heartbeat tonight? This is the heartbeat of God. We are living in a time. Nan and I were sitting watching the news tonight and them talking about the possibilities of nuclear war. We are living in frightful times, but I'm here to declare these are the times that the church should put their armor on and understand that they are here to help others find Jesus because they are looking for something. It's an opportunity for the church to shine, for us not to recoil in fear, but to be bold in our faith and asking and helping others 
find Jesus. Someone say amen. So I'm challenging you tonight. Who are you talking to about Jesus? My wife and I are starting a home Bible study in this coming weeks because we have felt this call. We used to keep a home Bible study all the time because that was what God spoke to me about, about keeping myself connected to the real world and what people are facing and what's going on in people's lives. I've baptized 31 people from my own Bible study, not those that I've preached across the pulpit, but from the Bible studies I've kept. And that's way too few. Lord has convicted me and he's convicting you that you need to tell somebody. You don't just need to gather all the information about this wonderful salvation. We need to share it with somebody that needs Jesus. Can I get an amen from anybody? I know that I'm going to make you quiet for a minute because it's conviction that settles. It's not condemnation. Look, I haven't done everything I should be doing. And it's not because we have just said, you know what, I'm going to quit doing it. No, it's life, the pandemic, it's things, it's stuff. God is wanting to bring us back into focus and let us see that the number one thing is he came to seek and to save them that are lost. Do you believe that tonight? If you believe that online, say amen. Someone shout amen. Amen. So salvation for all. We know that salvation comes for not a few, not chosen, not the the wealthy or the educated. It comes for all mankind, no matter who you are. Salvation is for every religion. It is for every kind, kindred tongue. It is for every style of life. It is, hello, it's for the murderer. It's for the rapist because salvation is for what? all. In our lives, we would love to put God in a box and say, this is the kind of people we would like to be saved and be a part of our body. But God is saying to us, no matter who you are or where you've been or the issues that you've suffered in life, the the setbacks that you've been, whether it be drugs or whether it be abuse or what, what, no matter what it is, it's important for you to understand and I to understand that Christ has called us to all mankind. Someone say amen. So we're going to begin this in Acts, Acts 16 and verse 30. This is where the Apostle Paul is uh, in a jail cell and there was an earthquake that came when they sang and worshiped and praised God. Great story for you to read later. But here the jail, the earthquake comes and the jail falls apart and the jailer is worried that he's going to be uh, judged and that he's going to be accused of of them escaping. And that was uh, uh, something. So he was fixing to take his own life. That's how serious it was for him. And of course, the apostles stopped him and said, no, we're all here. Even those that aren't apostles, we're all here. There was a miraculous thing that happened and took place. And so he uh, uh, was a part of this conversation. They were talking to him. And after they began to share the word, this is the question in Acts 16 and 30 that he asked. He asked this, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He asked the question that all of us have asked at different places in our lives. He asked the question that a generation of people are asking right now. I'm excited to report that Pastor Alex, this week, since Sunday, he has baptized 40 people in a makeshift baptismal in the city right outside of Ukraine in Poland. He has baptized them in the beautiful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is revival. He has taken time while rescuing them and bringing them out 
We have helped with gas and, and, a, and a bus. We have helped out with all, but we also helped out with him being able to take them and find a gymnasium to have church and find a place where he calls those refugees in and they begin to say, I want to be baptized because someone preached the gospel. <laughs> in the middle of war, Pastor Alex understands the importance of people's salvation for tomorrow, like this 18-year-old young lady, they may not be with us. So today is the day of salvation. We need to be serious about this. If you're online tonight, I pray that you will share this right now on your page, that you will share this personally. Be bold in your spirit. Let God lead and guide you because I'm fixing to tell and talk to people about all of us deserving the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, not by our works, but by his perfect work on Calvary. Acts 16 says, Sirs, what must, the jailer asked, what must, not might, what can I do the least of, what can, can I get away with and still be saved? No, it was what must, I must shout must. Salvation is a must. I won't take you there tonight, but briefly in that Nicodemus wanted to know the exact same thing. What must I do to be saved? You must be born again of the water and the spirit, Jesus told Nicodemus. And we'll be covering that in the future weeks. But tonight I want to get down to some real basics. Why do I need a savior? If you're watching tonight, you need a savior because God has a plan for your life. And he wants us to have a relationship with him. The reason he created Adam and Eve in the garden was so that he could walk in the cool of the garden with them and fellowship with them. Of course, we know the story, or we should, that Satan, in the form of a servant, he caused Eve to sin and Adam to sin, and that sin separated them from this relationship with God. It doesn't mean he stopped loving them. It meant that there was something that came between them that they could not fix on their own. Sin, someone say sin, sin prevents us from being in relationship. It's that simple. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. Now we're saved by his grace and we'll talk about that. But as we come to Christ, we must recognize. So when you're speaking to people, the first place you want to take them is to a place that you were a sinner <laughs> and that you're not speaking down to them, but you're speaking with them that I am in the same place that you find yourself. The difference is I have taken advantage of this thing called the blood of Christ and the forgiveness of Jesus. So we find that sin prevents us from being in this relationship. And that perfect plan for our lives demands relationship with God. For he wants to walk with us in the cool of our life. He wants to walk with us in the trials and tribulations. He wants to be closer than a brother. And in that closeness, it demands that we work, that we would have no sin in our life. Does that mean, Pastor, I have to be perfect? Oh, no. That's why he came and died on Calvary and gave us grace to live by. And we'll talk about that later. So you're not out there by yourself. You don't have to be perfect in your own. Follow me tonight and follow me in the following weeks. And we're going to discover exactly how Christ brought us to this place. Sin is disobedience to God's will and his word. You see, God gave us his word and we spent weeks talking about how we got the word of God and its accuracy and, and, its, and its amazingness as far as anointing and, and being truly of God. 
We talked all about that, and you can go back in our history here on Pineview's page, and, and you can watch those uh, from several weeks ago. But I want you to understand that sin is not because we are uh, you know, somehow these horrible people that we're murdering people. No, sin is a part of our human nature. Sin from Adam to Eve to now, we are born in sin. The King David in the Psalms wrote, we are conceived in sin, and in sin we are a part of our lives. So sin was attached to us when our, our mother and father, Adam and Eve, they sinned before God. It brought a DNA of sin to the human race. And there is only one redemption, and we're going to look at that. And it was slain from the foundation of the world. Before Adam and Eve sinned, God made a provision for us to be saved. How many are thankful for that? Amen. And in that, we have to understand that sin is not something that you get up in the morning and say, I think I'm going to go sin today. No, sin is a part of our flesh wanting to live out its own desires, its own will, and its own things about life. Not putting God first, not seeking his kingdom first. So sin is a disobedience to God's will and his word. His word is there for a purpose. We cannot ignore his word. We cannot act as if we can be our own saviors and our own gods and decide what part of the Bible we should apply and what part we should not. We know that our covenant here in the New Testament is so important. Many have tried to live by the law, and we'll talk about that when we have in the past, but we're living by grace and by mercy. We're living in faith. We're living in a place that Christ purchased for us on Calvary. But you must understand that we are all sinners. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. And there is a place of salvation for all of us, but we must submit our lives to that work of Christ on Calvary. So why do I need a Savior? We need a Savior because God is too pure to abide with sinfulness. How many believe that God is holy? How many believe that he and he alone is holy? We can try and work towards holiness, and we do and should, but truly only God is holy. In this moment of understanding what holy is, it means he's so pure that there is no wrong in him. And so in that pureness and in that holiness, we understand that God cannot allow unpure things into his realm, into his presence. So we look and see that we need to understand that this pureness makes sin leave. We look at Habakkuk 1 and 13. He says, your eyes are too pure. He's talking about God. To look on evil, you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. So we understand that man brought it upon himself. Eve and Adam, they brought this upon us. But we also have decisions every day that we bring on ourselves. We choose whether we're going to follow after God or follow after our own flesh. We can see that it's important to understand that we need a Savior. Uh, <clears throat> that we need a Savior. Romans 3 and 23, a very familiar passage Paul writing to us says, for everyone. Can we say that together? Everyone. Say it again. Everyone has sinned. If someone says that you, you're not a sinner, the Bible says that 
your, your very sin of pride is showing. <laughs> that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For all have fallen short of God's glorious standard, which is his holiness. So we understand that we're all on equal plane. No matter how much you go to church or how much you serve God, in the basis of your life, you are still human and you're still a sinner. The difference is we submit to God's grace and his will and his word, and that grace is applied to our lives. And while we are sinners, we are saved by his grace. We can see that in Romans 6 and 23, another familiar passage says this very plainly. For the wages of sin is death. Sin, you can find a complete list of them in Romans chapter 1. Paul writes, and I won't go through that tonight, because I believe that God wants us to have an understanding that even though there are things that are not on that list that we could name, Every one of us have things that we struggle with. Every one of us have things that we strive to get out of our lives. What did Paul write when he had a visitor, messenger from Satan? He said, I wanted God to remove this from me. And God kept telling Paul over and over again, what? My grace is sufficient. The Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, suffered in a sinful way that he struggled to overcome. It doesn't mean that he was sinful. It meant that he was plagued with something that a messenger from Satan. And by the way, Satan doesn't bring anything but sin. When he is messaging you, he's not messaging you with good, wonderful feeling things. He's messaging you with temptations and sinful thoughts. So understand, Paul, while he may not have sinned, and I, I don't believe that he did, he was still struggling in his mind with things that could cause him to sin. That's why maybe he wrote, seeing that we are compassed about by such a great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every what? Weight and sin that does so what? Easily beset us. Paul, in his saved state, in his serving God as a minister of the gospel, as an apostle, he still knew he was a sinner saved by God's grace. Church, we should never forget who we are and what we need. We are sinners and we still need the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. We still need the blood of Christ to be applied to our lives on a daily basis. No wonder Paul said, I die daily to my flesh because there is a daily sacrifice of saying, Lord, I'm in need of you. I need you to come into my life. I need you to take over this sin. I need you to forgive me of my sin the ones that I know of and those that I do not, please receive my prayer. And he said he is faithful and just, right? To forgive us of all of our sin. So understand that it says the wages of sin is death. Sin unchecked will lead to spiritual death. And in many cases, physical death. Because sinful acts usually bring about a quicker death. People that abuse their bodies, people that abuse others, people that live abusive lifestyles, those things bring quicker death in the physical, but surely death in the spiritual. The spirit man is where we're trying to understand. You may have a friend or a neighbor, or maybe it's yourself, that you look at them and you say, man, they're successful and they're doing great and they seem to be have no problems. I promise you, they are suffering just as those that you can visually see that sin is taking its toll because all have sinned 
and come short of the glory of God. So when you're talking to your friend or somebody that would say, why do I need a savior? Or maybe they are, are living in a way that you simply tell them, you really need a savior and his name is Jesus. You've got to un- help them understand that while they are sinners, they have to acknowledge that, that there is a way of escape and there is a way of salvation. Someone say amen. It says here, but the free gift of God, the free, everybody shout free. Free, free gift of God is eternal life through, through. You must come through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So salvation is assured through this gift from God, this gift of grace, this gift of salvation that he purchased for us on Calvary. So when we look and see that the wages of sin, the things that produce sin, have you ever met somebody and they tell you, yeah, I'm 25, and you say to yourself, this person is not younger than a day over 60 because life and their sinful lifestyle has been so hard on them that it has taken a physical toll. I want you to put spiritual glasses on and see them in the spiritual toll that it has taken on their lives. Because we must be observant. We must know Jesus. The Bible says over and over that he saw He saw the blind man. He saw those that were hurting. There is a place in our life that is is obligatory that we would say, I see that pain and I must minister to it in a loving, kind, gentle way. So I challenge you to begin to share more about why we need a Savior. Maybe it's something you put on your Facebook page. Hey, does anybody know why you need a Savior? Maybe it's a discussion starter with a a family member, I don't know. But I'm, I'm challenging you tonight. Know your Bible. Know why you need a Savior. We'll talk further about that. So, why do we need a Savior? We need a Savior because we cannot save ourselves. How many know that to be true? No amount of good works can save you. Did you know that? Do you know that good people still have sin in their life? Because all have sin. We have to understand that goodness, good works, good things do not save us. How many know that to be true? What saves us? One thing, the blood of Jesus Christ saves us from our sins. We know that we cannot save ourselves. Many have tried. In fact, we still try today by doing good works. We still try today by by proving to ourselves that we're good people. And that's not how it works. Grace and mercy are given freely. It's a free gift that God has given you. This gift of of the Holy Spirit is a free gift that God wants to give you. But understand, you have to recognize, I can't do this on my own. I need someone to help me, to save me. We need a Savior because without Christ, we are described in Ephesians 2 and 12 as having no hope, no hope, and without God in the world. If you know somebody that is hopeless, I want to tell you something. In the days to come, with all that is going on in our world, you are going to have an opportunity that people are panicking and feeling hopeless. There are going to be people that you talk to that are wondering how they survive a nuclear war. They're going to wonder what happens to them when they die. This sounds fanciful and crazy, but you you mark my word tonight as this pastor speaks. And tells you that there will be discussion 
around water coolers and tables of people asking, am I saved? Am, am I okay? If, if, if I were to die tonight, would I still be ready? You are there. Open your mouth and speak the truth of God's love. You don't need to convert them. You need to love them. Reassure them that God loves them and that you know the answer to their question and that you can help them find this Savior because salvation is for all. All those that seek Him will find Him. But it's up to us to help them find Him in a way that is is profitable and, and can be can be used for his glory. So to summarize here tonight in this little start of our time, God has a plan. Everybody say God has a plan. God has a plan. And it's perfect. Someone say it's perfect. it's perfect. How many believe that God's plan for your life is perfect? Amen. How many believe that we have our own will and get off that plan sometimes? Yeah. Does that mean God doesn't love us anymore? No. So God has plan is perfect. And he won't change his mind about executing that plan. His plan is yea and amen. His plan is perfect. He's not in negotiations with your plan. He's wanting you to submit to his will and his word about the plan. Every plan in this room is different. That's why we have personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Every person in this room has a walk with Christ that we cannot share with one another. I can tell you about my relationship, but you'll never experience what I experience because God is an individual God. He wants to touch your life and you, not we have a plan, you have a plan. Oh, God has a plan for this church, but you as an individual, he has a plan for you. So understand, his plan involves us humans and we are sinners, <laughs> right? Since God is holy, we cannot and he cannot tolerate the presence of sin. And unless he somehow cleanses us, it is impossible, impossible for him to work his eternal plan. Am I say eternal? You think so much, and I think so much, in human phrase out, human consciousness, human understandings. This is an eternal plan for your life. It's not just temporal. It involves temporal things and physical things, but it is truly eternal. So, those who are not cleansed, those who do not submit their lives to Christ, those who do not submit themselves to the Word of God in the process of salvation and what He wants to do in their life, those who are not saved by grace through faith must, unfortunately, it's not my choice, this is God's command, will be separated from God because of that sin. It doesn't mean they can't pray to him for mercy to remove that sin. It means that he is not in eternal relationship with them. You see the difference? He can help us. He can heal us. But when we talk about eternal things, there is a gap called sin that separates us from God. He said he would hear our prayers. Sinners can pray prayers and God still hears them when they pray. He answers them, but there is a separation in that sin that does not allow the eternal plan to complete, to transpose. So we find that 
we are saved through grace and, and this separation of sin. But God's solution, someone shout God's solution. <laughs> he offered the perfect sacrifice for us once and for all. How many are thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ tonight? Amen. He cleanses us from sin and he reconciles himself, us to himself. This he did through his son, Jesus, on the cross. You must understand that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to fulfill all the prophecies of the Old Testament. All the things to bring about this culmination of moment of salvation. You see, in Noah's time, salvation was getting on an ark. In, in, in Abraham's time, salvation was obedience and sacrifice. In the children of Israel's times, salvation was a, a, a daily and monthly thing where they would bring sacrifice and roll their sin up for another period of time. But when Christ came, he leveled the playing field. He said, there's going to be one salvation and it's going to be for all. And that salvation will come through my name and by my blood. That's why the cross and Christ are so important to our journey in helping people understand it's just not some guy that died for you. No, it was God in flesh. It was Christ himself dying for your sins. That you would not have to die in sin. Someone say amen. amen. So he cleanses us and he did that through Jesus. Romans, let me read this to you. We have a Savior. Not only do we need a Savior, not only do we understand now why clearly why I need to be saved, because I'm a sinner. But the good news is, is what was just mentioned, is that we have a solution and a Savior. So let me kind of set up the beginnings of what's going to continue on, because I want to read to you out of Romans chapter 3, verse 21 through 28. It's so powerful. Please hear it, and please read this at home as a part of your understanding I read this often to people that I'm, I'm witnessing to, that I'm talking to, that I'm teaching Bible study to, so them to have clear understanding. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. You see, so many people see church as following the rules, <laughs> doing all. I can never do that, Pastor Nate, because, man, I... Man, those rules, man, I, I'm going to fail. Man, I'm going to mess it up. I'm, I, I, Man, all that stuff, the do's and the don'ts, and I can't, man. And I always tell them, wait, wait, time out. You're trying to save yourself. Why don't you start with letting Christ forgive your sins and walking in faith and grace and mercy and let God lead and guide you and not worry about all the stuff you can or cannot do as God will reveal to you himself as you grow in him. There's a moment of dawning that can come on people when they realize, I don't have to be perfect to come to church. I don't have to be perfect to be a part of the kingdom of God. I'm striving for, protect, for perfection, but Christ is keeping me while I'm striving. That's what grace is all about. So we see that, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. I want you to hear what he just said. He's saying that Moses and the prophets are the one that prophet. He's speaking to the Jews in Rome. This is not something I made up. This is something your forefathers have brought you. That 
the writings of Moses and the prophets, they told you this was coming, that the Christ and the Messiah was on his way. In verse 22, it says, we are made right with God. Say that with me. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for what? Everyone who believes, no matter who we are. How beautiful is this? He puts an end cap on the fact that salvation is truly for all mankind. It is for all people, no matter station, no matter, it is for everyone. Why? Because God is showing us how to be right with him. And how do we do that? We're going to do that by not keeping the law, but walking in faith, being made right by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true of everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Verse 23, for everyone has sinned. See, we know that verse. We read that verse earlier. We quote that verse. All have sinned, but very few times do we quote verse 22. We've been made right by God. So too many of us focus on the fact that we're sinners, and we need to, but we should also focus on the fact, more so, that there's a solution to my sin, that there's an a, a, a ability for me to clean my life up by having faith in Jesus Christ and knowing that he is my Savior. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. I read that to you at the beginning of this. But in verse 24, he continues and says, yet God, right? All have sinned, yet, by the way, God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. We're sinners, but we're not going to pay the price of sinners because the penalty that we're supposed to pay Christ paid for us. When we what? Have faith in him. We believe in him. We walk in his grace. He makes us right in the sight of God. Jesus, when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Verse 25. For God presented Jesus as sacrifice for sin. God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. God so loved the world that he what? gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should what? Not perish, but have a good life. No. Have a life that's free from troubles and have a life, no, it says have eternal life. We've got to see eternal, not just temporal. So when he says this, for God presented Jesus as sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, right? Shed his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he, what? Held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. Watch this. For he was looking ahead. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. For he was looking ahead. God, you sin today. And you're, you're saying, Lord, I need your forgiveness. I, Lord, I'm going to walk in by faith in your grace. God stands up and he looks beyond your sin. 
and he sees what's coming in your life. He knows what your heart is like. He knows. No man knows. God knows your heart. He can see beyond. He stands up in your life and he sees ahead. What you don't see, he sees. And because he sees that, right, including them in what we would do in this present time. In other words, your presentness, you might be struggling, struggling, but God stands up and looks ahead in your life and sees the goodness of his name and the goodness of your faith, believing and knowing and obeying his word. So what does he say? He says, God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just and he makes sinners right in his sight when they what? Believe in Jesus. 27. We can boast. Can we boast? Then that we have done anything, everybody shout anything, to be accepted by God? No. Everybody shout no. No, because our what acquittal is not based on obeying the law. Hallelujah. It's based on what? Faith. So we are made right with God through what? Faith. And not by obeying the law. Our journey in salvation begins with faith. Do you believe Jesus is who he says he is? Do you believe he has the power over all things? Do you believe that he is the son of God crucified on Calvary? Do you believe? That is the question. So in your life, when you're walking people through this process, you see, I haven't got to the things that we are going to talk about next week because we're going to dive into what is salvation. They said to the apostles, the, the jailer, what must I do? Everybody say do. do. There's some doing to the believing. We're going to talk about that next week. It's not as simple as, as just, you know, oh, well, okay, I'm a believer. You know, no, there's a requirement, not by my words, not by anybody else's word, not by denominational words, but by the word of God that speaks to us and says that faith requires action. We're going to talk about that. That word believing is an action word. It also means faith, but it's faith in action. Study it. It's a verb. It's something that is moving. So we're going to look at that. But you can't get people to Acts 2.38 without them understanding what they need before they get there. If they So too many times we rush to bring them to an altar. We rush to bring them to a baptismal tank. And those are all wonderful and great things. But if they go there without knowledge of what they really are and who they really need, then they're going through the motions. They're just getting wet. They're just going through the motions. Listen, action without understanding is ignorance. I'm going to say that again. Action without understanding is ignorance. Have you ever done something? You don't know why you're doing it? But you're doing it because somebody told you to do it? Right? Uh, it happens every year at Christmas when I'm trying to make cookies with my wife or something. She says, put this and this and this. And I'm going, what in the world are we doing? What? And I, I still stir and I end up eating all the cookies because they're delicious. Because I obeyed somebody that knew more than I did. So I can't say I made cookies. <laughs> I can say I assembled cookies. <laughs> I stirred cookies. <laughs> but Lisa was the, she was the one that made the cookies because she was the one with the knowledge to go along with the action. You follow me? So faith without works is dead. We know that from James. But we also understand that 
when we have faith, it must be rooted in something more than someone telling me what to believe. Faith is something you have for yourself. I can't give it to you. I can expound the word of God, talk to you in faithful ways, and it will spark faith. But ultimately, you have to say, I believe Jesus died for my sins. So there is an important factor. We skip this too many times. We're going to be talking about repentance. We're going to be talking about baptism. We're going to be talking about infilling of the Spirit. We're going to be talking about those things in the next weeks to come. But we can't get there until we... No wonder Jesus or God sent Philip through, transposed him through time and brought him to the Ethiopian eunuch and, and said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, I don't understand what I'm reading. And so they expounded the word of God and then there was, there's water, what doth hinder? I want to be baptized because it took someone to come alongside them to explain. Do you believe for a moment that God could have sent his own spirit and angel to reveal that to that man? No. Yes, he could have. Of course he could have. But no, that's not what he did. He sent a man because it's incumbent on men to win men. It's incumbent for us to share our knowledge, to share our salvation. Someone say amen. I'm going to challenge you. Oh, the rest of this year, I'm going to be on you like a hen on a June bug. You know why? Because I believe that God is calling us in this hour not to be casual Christians, not to be observers of faith, but to be doers of the word doers of faith. And every one of us can give in our own unique way. Every one of us can do that in such a beautiful way. But you've got to be willing to challenge yourself. Do I know my Bible? Do I know the Word of God well enough? I'm not asking you to know your entire Bible. I'm asking you to know enough to give an account to every man about the Gospel. That's what I believe God's called you to. I know He has. You have to be able to know what you believe in order to tell somebody else it's the truth. Imagine a salesman trying to sell you something he didn't believe in. You're going to know pretty quickly that this guy really doesn't believe this is a good product. But when they believe it's a good product, you're most likely to buy it. So there has got to be in your life and in mine a moment where we say, not only do I need a Savior, but there are those in my circle of influence that they need a Savior as well. And it's my job to tell them. So, let's look. We find, give an answer to every man. God has, I apologize for the, the, the spelling there, I don't know what's going on. God has a plan for your life. You can write this down. You want to give an answer? People in your life, you can start with this. Hey man, God has a plan for your life. You don't need to say, you're a sinner going to hell. No, that's not what Jesus did. He didn't do that to anybody. He didn't do that to the woman thrown at his feet. He didn't do it to Zacchaeus. No. That's not what God is about. God is about loving people to him, not jamming it down their throat. Truth is a, listen, truth is a sword, and it either does surgery or it kills people. You hear me? The word of God is a sword, sharper than any two inches, right? We know that. And we can either use that word as a scalpel to help heal people, or we can use it as a sword to kill them with. Truth, truth, hard truth will kill people. Did you know that? But it's the truth. Yeah, wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Someone say amen. So we are sinners and can't be saved ourselves. We cannot say, it's a basic and by the way, when you're witnessing to others, you always include yourself in the conversation. 
Don't come to them in a place that you're a sinner and you can't save yourself. No, we are sinners and we can't save ourselves. Why am I telling you that? Because you're including yourself. It makes it much easier for them to understand and to accept. Right? You need to be like me when I submitted my life to Christ. That although I'm a sinner, I'm now saved by grace. What does that mean? Now you can keep talking. Right? So, we are sinners and can't save ourselves. Three, sin separates us from relationship with God. And you make sure you denote to people. This doesn't mean you can't pray to God and he won't hear you. This just means eternally, in the eternal space, when God's kingdom comes and the eternity that sin will separate you from him. No matter how good you are, you must obey his word. That can be a hard conversation for people, but it will spark truth in their life to be able to start asking questions. They may vehemently deny or, or disagree with you. Never react in negativity or defend. No, just continue to love them. God's love, God loved us so much that he provided a way of escape. You got to remember, you can deliver the fact that they're sinners like I did tonight, but you better deliver the fact that he can save you. And that the way of escape is greater than the sin you committed. You got that? Because Jesus died for our sins. Listen, in Acts 16 and 30, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So next week, we're going to talk about what must I do, the doing. And that's going to take me more than one week. But we're going to talk about the doing of salvation, right? We must confess. We must have faith. That's the beginning. That's what we established tonight. We must say, I believe. We're going to continue that, talking about that. I'm going to leave you with this in Acts 4 and 12. And there is salvation in no one else. How many believe this? How many know this? There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we what? Must be saved. Jesus, help us to do what you've called us to do. Help us to find ourselves telling others about how good you are and how you brought us to a place of salvation. God bless you. I'll see you next week.